0: Hello, I'm Stephanie Prisner and you're listening to Basically. In this week's podcast, I talk to Kira Dorley, who is my editor and my publisher of my two books. Um, can I say no is the second one, and the first one was called What Was the First One Called? Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same? Sorry for forgetting the titles of my own books. Kira works with Hachette Ireland, who are a publishing house who have been publishing very many books for very many years, and you can look up Hachette Ireland to see some of their authors and titles. I wanted to talk to Kira about the realities and the basics of getting published because as I understand it, many people that I talk to say that they have a book in them, they want to write a book, they get frustrated in their jobs and are like, oh, I'm just going to pack in the day job and write a book and live as an author. And in this episode, I talk to Kira about the step-by-step reasons why you should not quit your day job, how much you can earn. I talk about how much I earned from the books. What the realities of being an author are, and how difficult it is from page to shelf, I guess. Um, but how it's not impossible, it's just difficult. And so here's Kira. Hi, Kira. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, One of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast with you, apart from the fact that you and I have a working relationship and you are my editor, is that so many people that I meet say that they have a book in them or that they're going to write a book. And even some of my friends, sorry, think that, like, would think that someday they're just going to throw in the towel of the job that they do currently and live life writing books overlooking lakes like yeah. There's some sort of romantic notion about being a writer, and I just kind of wanted to debunk that a bit because it's not been my experience, and I just thought you would be the perfect person to demysticize sure. being a writer.
1: Sure, yeah. I, I mean, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I guess just guess
0: like, is that your experience of like pe- people coming to you, or
1: yeah, I mean, how
0: do you actually get published? I guess, I
1: think, like you said, a lot of people feel. They have a book in them and probably a lot of people do, but like having a book in you and sitting down to write 70 to 100,000 words are two really different things. Um, So writing a book is, you know, they say there's that well-known saying it's kind of 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration. And that is so true. So for anyone who does want to write a book, I think the first thing they need to do is actually just sit down on your laptop and just write it. Without getting too... The whole book. Well, just start it, yeah. I mean, it's just sitting down in front of a computer and doing it rather than thinking about it, rather than starting loads of different things. It's kind of just committing to it if that's what you want to do. And do you have, like, say we'll start with someone who has
0: a full-time job as an accountant, let's say. Yeah. Like, do you think that they should put down their like quit their job or start writing as their job? Should they be coming to publishers first? Should they be approaching an agent or should they just start writing the book while they're still an accountant?
1: Don't give up the day job. Like that is my first right. piece of advice. If if that's what you want, like if you want, if you know, if you're living in a situation, if you don't like your job, you want to change, that's a different scenario. But I would not be giving up the day job necessarily um, to kind of with the view of trying to get published earning loads of money from book writing because it's a long road to get to that point like you do hear these debut authors who get big advances and they have that is so seldom you know it's very very uh, very very So what rare. for the listeners
0: talk to us about like what an advance is or what the process is like say say we'll come back to like the accountant but say if you did have a a book that a publisher wanted to publish. What is the situation with payment and all that kind of thing? How do you earn money as a writer?
1: I mean, the thing about it is it's never like you wouldn't get into the book industry to, to the publishing industry to make a huge amount of money. To be honest, like, like I was saying before, there's a kind of a very few number of authors who are able to just write and that's all they do. You'll find an awful lot of authors have to supplement their income with, you know, different like speaking events or, or even kind of teaching jobs and things like that, um, just because it's, it's so competitive out there, you know. And, and I mean, I think if you look around as well, the amount of people who read and buy books regularly, it's not like wide, you know, it's not like huge amounts of the population. So it's, it's a very kind of, you have to do it for the love. That would be my first thing, not with a view. Obviously, everybody wants to get published. Everybody wants to see their book on the shelves. But I think the main driver needs to be that you really want to write. You have a story in you that you want to get down and that you enjoy it because otherwise it's just going to be too long a road. Uh, so that would be my first kind of... And you won't,
0: like, be able to stick with it, I guess, yeah. if it's not. Because it is kind of grueling, like.
1: It is. And
0: is there a particular genre that is, like, statistically more successful with readers than others?
1: Well, I mean, there's different trends, you know. So, like, commercial fiction is always popular. Popular fiction, women's fiction. So what would that, like, commercial fiction be, like... Commercial, like commercial Twilight? Twilight? Well, that's YA. So, twi- YA okay. also is very popular. Um, that's kind of like a different thing. So, you have like it's women's a young adults. Yeah, exactly. So, you have women's fiction, which is always kind of very straightforward, very popular. People know what they're getting. Crime, different types of crime. You have detective. You've thrillers. You've got psychological crime. That's uh, seen a huge increase lately. Um, mm. or in the past few years, you've historical fiction. That's really popular at the moment as well. So you have all these and obviously these kind of book club as well. So like if you look at what's doing really well at the moment, you've got American Dirt, Crawdads, um, Crawdads uh, Sally Rooney's book. What say, yeah. yeah, Sally Rooney. So there is that kind of trend also for books that are a little bit more hooky as well. So they've got that like big idea kind of great writing, but accessible. Um,
0: and Like what kind of titles? um would that be like what's hooky
1: well i guess the, the american dart has that kind of you know oh yeah okay. big idea at the center of it um so yeah i'm trying to think now off the top of my head what else is hooky and so in the
0: so those are the genres like my so my book is memoir or yeah like is that a difficult because i think a lot of people think that their lives are fascinating yeah and one of the things that I learned while writing my book which you so cautiously dealt with me on was that actually my life is not as interesting as I thought it was. Um it's interesting enough in parts but like there are large chapters that had to be omitted because it's not actually that funny.
1: Well I mean the thing it's not necessarily I think there's been there's a real kind of um There's almost that two different types of memoirs. The memoir is if something remarkable has happened to you that, you know, you think people will want to read about, if it's an unusual story, um, then the other type is, you know, kind of almost centred on a theme that other people will relate to. And so then the fact that your life isn't that extraordinary, but you can tell it in a way that people relate to it or they see themselves in it, that's kind of what translates things for people so like with
0: like let's say Michelle Obama or she was obviously the first lady Tara Westover she grew up as Mm. a woman or even Vicky Phelan who was at the center of the cervical check
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: who's absolutely has a beautiful book about that so those are things where like people want to read more about the life yeah and then there are things like my book which is I can't deal with change yeah. and you might recognize me from television. So those two things together yeah. may make you buy my book.
1: Exactly. Is that
0: sort of where the
1: publishers are coming from? That's it. And it's the humor, you know, um, and we've just got a new book, a uh, lead on Hines. It's her experience about, you know, coming through a marriage breakdown. So it's just the kind of different like experiences that some people may have you know, because a memoir isn't an autobiography either. It's just taking kind of one aspect of somebody's life and writing around that. So, um again... So if someone had
0: something like fascinating or traumatising or hilarious happen to them, mm-hmm. but they're not a known person, yeah, would it be down to them? Because how my book got published, and I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, was that I had been my profile had been raised um, because of Can't Cope, Won't Cope and I'd been on TV a lot. And then you kind of came to me and said, have you considered writing Mm, a memoir? And that's how we started working together. Yeah. So if someone wasn't known or hadn't been on television, could they come to you or should they start writing their story? How would they sort of break in?
1: Yeah, I think, you know... I think the first thing to do is for them to start writing plotting out at least a little bit of their story because again, you know, memoir and fiction they're very different, but it's but the technique of telling the story is the same. So it's like at what point do you want to jump into your story? You know how much of the build up to it do you want to weave in, so I think the first thing that they should do is start thinking about how they want to structure all that because again, with that type of memoir with a name with a person that's not known, it'll come down to what they're writing about, but also the the writing, the quality of the writing so that that would be really important and how it's told and that's
0: actually much harder than like I really struggled with that in my book, like remember i would have I've come to you several times while I was trying to put pen to paper at the start being like I actually don't know what this book is about like I don't know where to start I don't and you were like just start at the beginning of your like childhood years and write it and it kind of wasn't until I had written the book that we you and I knew what it was about yeah and then it was like and that I wasn't even able to know what it was about I just wrote all these stories for my life basically and then you read it yeah yeah and you were like this is a story about how you hate change and how you're really bad at that yeah and so then with knowing that then I went back and did a second draft yeah that sort of amplified all those aspects and maybe lowered some of the things that didn't play into that narrative
1: yeah that's it completely and I mean I think that makes for a more kind of layered and interesting book but like a lot of memoirs that I'd edit start off that so like somebody just kind of gets everything down and then as an outsider, I'm able to come and go like, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. This is a theme that kind of keeps cropping up. This is something that people want to, will relate to, want to read about. So let's pull that out a little bit more. So, yeah. Um, so I think. And is that
0: a skill that you have, like how, is that the job of every editor?
1: Yeah, pretty. To like,
0: yeah. And how did you know you had that skill? Because I would be terrible at that job.
1: No, I don't think I don't think so. Like it's basically if you just read and you like I mean I I always say like I'm kind of more you know if I'm buying a book or if I'm reacted to something if I like something chances are loads of other people like me it's kind of you know will get into it as well. So it's um so you kind of have to have very basic taste basic. not basic broad <laughs> taste oh my god I'm no, so sorry <laughs> no it's a hundred percent I'm like I'm as basic as they come because I just think and it's just kind of knowing that if I do you know if it, like you see, see something on tv or if you're like you know following someone on instagram that's it's kind of that popular popular taste I guess and it's trying to as well like as an editor what you try to do is kind of See that happening almost before it takes off as well. So, you know, kind of that's that's what you do when you're looking to like commission things or acquire
0: yeah so talk to me about where you source so like for me when I'm looking for the things that I need for my career are like I need inspiration so I need characters and I so I go into the world and I look at people and I without their consent like steal their little mannerisms and I put them into my script yeah because that's what I need for my job like as an editor where do you kind of hunt where's your hunting ground for like obviously you saw me Mm. on television and then you contacted me but are you kind of always on the hunt for like that's an interesting person she might be good he might be good
1: yeah where do you look a hundred percent so it's you know a lot of the time for non-fiction I could read an article in a newspaper and then we get in touch with the, the you know the journalist or whoever it was wrote the article about writing a book nowadays it's more it's, it's an awful lot like if you're online if you've got like a good voice on social media um you know, and it's not necessarily for somebody on Instagram or Twitter and something to write a nonfiction. It could be that you think they've written quite funny articles on dating or something, but you could see that translating to a novel, you know, if they've got a good style. So that's that's where you kind of pick things up. And more and more, so we, you know, we approach people about nonfiction ideas, but more and more, we're kind of looking to Find voices and go to people almost with an idea for a novel you know that we think okay, yeah, like you know because it's it is very oh it's a tough market out there, so if we can and like we're obviously publishers, so we see kind of more of what's going on, and we think, God, I'd love like even let's say for instance, um this is just you know somebody like a warm hearted story about kind of people connecting. Just because of what we're going through at the moment, um, you yes, think okay. like you think like that's something that people are going to be responding to kind of more. It's a trend that's probably going to, you know, build a little bit more of that warm hearted escapism. Do we have an idea for a good story? Who could be somebody, you know, that we've seen her writings really good um, that might do it? So are you offering me a job here? Well, I mean <laughs> bribery. So do
0: you think that in this current climate, you think that people are gonna want warm-hearted stories of people connecting? Or you think like do you see a trend in pitch people pitching to you ideas about coronavirus, about the pandemic, like zombie land stuff? Or have people's appetite, do you think, gone the other way where they don't want to know anything about the pandemic? for the next few years in terms of the fiction they're going to read or the non-fiction they want to read
1: yeah I think the fiction and non-fiction will be very different like non-fiction will you know people will I suppose want to read about how what we've gone through and try to process it in some way um like we've Michael Harding's memoir coming out now in um the Autumn and it's kind of it's not all about it's definitely not all about lockdown but he's it's placed in it and then it kind of broadens out so I think that will be something people they, they will want to read a non-fiction of the experience of this a little bit but I think for fiction yeah. certainly anything I've been reading has been 100% escapism I just want to get lost in a book. you want kind of your mind taken off things so I'm not sure whether again as well I think if you were talking about Doing a book that was set, because actually, just this something I was thinking of yesterday, there is um, you know, my my father goes over to the hospital kind of three times a week to get dialysis, and he's got a taxi driver that takes him over and back every week. And like it's their two stories coming together. You know what I mean? So that could be like something that happens during this lockdown, but it's a warm hearted kind of bigger story than that. Yes. Um do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think So thi- the backdrop is the pandemic, yeah, exactly. but it's more about yeah. how people are navigating it
0: rather exactly. than it itself as something that is destructive. Yeah. Um I think so it's fascinating because I think that like my work is screenwriting. The I'm working in the US now, obviously I'm based in Dublin, but A lot of my work is Zoom calls in the evening when LA wakes up with my producers. And they're really struggling to look at how we're going to navigate Mm. pitching or mounting a production or having any sort of semblance of a television uh, industry during this and after it. And I think that people are still going to need entertainment and Mm. they're still going to need escapism. And I'm wondering whether sort of reading will have a renaissance because... We're going to be seeing a lot of reruns because everything has been mm. kind of paused yeah. indefinitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, we've already seen it, you know, the online sales, even though bookshops have been closed, they've been bigger. Um, de- I think there will be a resurgence in in reading because people are going out less as well. So they just have more time, um, which is really good. Like, it's great. Uh, it's great to see that because... I just like obviously we all know how much you can kind of learn about the world from especially everything that's going on you know with race and things like that but I think reading is really something when you're re- able to read about different stories that kind of makes you absorb it your mind Yeah, it makes in you, a way yeah. yeah it does it kind of like commands that involvement so I think that's good
0: This week's podcast is brought to you by a new podcast called What Do You Want to Know? It's a podcast that takes your curiosity as its inspiration. Every episode features an expert answering questions posed by you about specific topics. So it's kind of like this podcast, and I think you'll like it. They talk about everything from how sign language works, to whether viruses are alive, to what exactly a 5G network even is. You can also suggest topics for them, so in future episodes, you could finally get the answers to questions that you want to know. So that's the podcast, What Do You Want to Know? And it's available on all podcast players, wherever you get this podcast. Um, I just want to get to some of the data, like some of the facts of breaking into publishing. So going back to this accountant who decides that she has a memoir in her. So you Mm -hmm. think that she should just start writing and keep writing. At what point should she say, okay, I want to now... should she get someone else to read it? Should she send it directly to a publisher? What is your advice for the next step after she's written? Let's say she's written half of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say because like the first thing, like you say with the memoir, everybody thinks their life is really interesting, but actually, you know, you know, you have to see like, oh, are there other books out there on this? Is there, is this actually that interesting? What do publishers think? What do agents think? So my first thing would be, um, have a look at other books that could be similar to yours, and see how many there are, and kind of how yours is different. Like I said, it's it's a huge amount for something like that for, for somebody's not known. It'll come down to the style of the writing and how good that is. Because that Tara Westover one that you talked about, that was a really remarkable oh, it's story. Amazing. But the writing was just, you know, impeccable. Yeah, like yeah. so.
0: There's, there's. Okay, so yeah, let's say that our accountant is actually a brilliant writer and mm. does have a fascinating story yeah um, so say she's like an early Tara Westover we just haven't heard her yet yeah, yeah. so at what point does someone discover like how can she get yeah. so she looks at other books there are a lot of other books let's say in the genre that are it about that let's yeah. say I don't know it's a story about her let's say her 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 infertility journey yeah or okay her, something to do with motherhood yeah so there's we know that there's a market for it other people experience it's mm-hmm. relatable So she's written three quarters of it now. Yeah. And a few of her friends say like, this is really good. Yeah. You should do something with this. Yeah. What can she do?
1: Well, actually, your friends are very nice. So that's really good that they're like supporting you and what you want to do. But I would actually, for people who want to start off writing, join a writing group, do a couple of writing courses. And I talk about spending a lot of money kind of paying for, you know, edits or stuff like that but the you get it's a really good support community you'll get really valuable like feedback from people who aren't your friends they'll be giving you feedback because they want you to give them feedback so I'd say writing groups it keeps you on track as well um And it just keeps you motivated. You'll make really good friends and you'll probably find contacts in the industry as well. If you kind of get in with like the Irish Writer Centre, that network.
0: Okay, so you're doing all the things to try and get contact. Yeah. In the industry to get someone to read this. How many words would be in a nonfiction?
1: So nonfiction is shorter. So, you know, a short-ish nonfiction would be 70,000 words. You know, I'd I think that's around what mine was. Yeah, was it? yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So you know, it can go upwards of that, but I wouldn't want to be kind of, you know, that far upwards. So yeah, yeah. So seventy.
0: So say now she has she's done her writer's group. She has a teacher in the writer's center mm. who she's written seventy thousand words, and the teacher's like, "This is really good. Um, I think you should. I I know someone who's an agent. Mm. I'm gonna get them to read it. Yeah, is it? An agent, she should be going to first, or 100%. can like do you? Oh yeah. So you're from Hachette. Do you take like blind submissions or no?
1: We do for nonfiction. So, okay. um, so the nonfiction, but I would say always try to get an agent because it just, yes. um, it's just easier for for authors. But I've also like agents know who likes sort of thing that you've written I think that's really important that you know where you're sending it like you know where you're right okay where your work is going to land for, for who's reading it because otherwise you're just you could just be sending it out to random editors and you're just going to get a rejection and that's nothing to do with you know the writing or the type of book it, you know, it's just basically that that editor was was never going to publish it anyway, you know. Yeah, so
0: like if you're writing historical fiction about like De Valera and zombies, yeah, there's not, like you're not going to send that to certain publishers or certain publishers only publish educational books or yeah, yeah. you have to do some research first. Yeah, okay. Oh,
1: 100% and also like if you're approaching agents or publishers because some publishers have different kind of submission guidelines, you know, just say, I see you publish blah, 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 I think, like, keep it short and not say, look, my, you know, I'm the next JK Rowling or something like that. But you could just so that you're, they're aware that you've done your research, that you're aware of what they like, what their tastes are, and that you, you know, you've got that kind of savvy, I guess, a little bit.
0: Is it better to, like, request a meeting with them, like, to try and make a human connection or do you just send in the script?
1: Yeah, I would just send in the script, I think. uh, so So she
0: sends in the script and the publisher is like actually she reads the first couple of pages Mm. and she's like actually this is quite good say it's you yeah um and you're like actually this is solid and she's gone to the writer's center she's not a total lunatic yeah what would you do next as the publisher what would happen
1: so if yeah like you say those first couple of pages are so important um yeah, I would, if I liked kind of first three chapters, because that's the usual thing. So you send like for fiction, it's a synopsis, your kind of elevator pitch, which is your like two or three line pitch, and then the first three chapters. So I just get in touch then. If it was a, you know, someone send it in directly to us, I just email the author, ask them to send in the rest of the script. Uh, the agent will send in the full script, um, from the yeah. author. So yeah. So I do, I, I do think the agent is a good kind of first port of call for for people. But it's not essential. Like if you don't have
0: an agent, you can still... Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's not d- essential at all. Make the submission.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, for and non-fiction, so then, yeah.
0: So then if you were like, actually, we want to publish this, mm-hmm. would you meet the person then to do redraft? Like, because say for me, I was given an advance, which is, you know, you're given money mm-hmm. to to buy yourself the time to just focus on that Mm. you know so like I wouldn't have been able to earn money otherwise I couldn't take time off work to write the book yeah so you give me money so that I can pay my life to Mm. write the book and so this accountant has been using her job as an accountant would she still get an advance or would the money like are you at a financial loss by writing it for free and then sending it in or do you get reimbursed after the fact
1: well, no, I mean if you were going to take it on, you would obviously be to offer um an advance. the advances now, like I said kind of at the beginning it's a very very tough industry when it comes to money so like you know you're going to be sticking with a day job or even cutting down to part-time hours if that's something that you could do you know but it it definitely you wouldn't be in a position where it'd be rare you'd be in a position where your first advance would let you you know give up work completely. so I think again, I know you've spent all this time in kind of committing to getting 70,000 words down or even half of that, you know, and it's up to yourself. It's up to yourself, uh, like how much you actually want to do, because there's always the risk that it's just that the timing isn't right, that you don't find the right publisher for it. um, But that's just something kind of you weigh, you have to weigh up yourself. But like, you know, there's nothing to say... And it kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning if you want to write you have to just do it for the love of writing and that is something you enjoy yeah. because it might not be your first book that gets published it could be your second one it could be you know what I mean it could um so I think you need to kind of be clear in your motivations for writing and like and in the
0: like to be transparent because it's often quite difficult um, I guess for people to know, I can tell you that I think it was around, for my first book, I think in total, I'd say it was about 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Would that be right, Kira? Yeah. It was about that, wasn't it? Yeah. So like, that's not something that you want to be. And that might shock some people now because I think people think that people make millions off books. Yeah. But like, that's not, that's not even an annual salary. No, no, no. The work that goes into it, like, yeah. we would have been we did several drafts of it and then there's line edits and then you have to come in and remember the day so so the process that I remember was I wrote the draft then you came back to me you told me what the book was about I did another draft with that in mind then there would have been another draft where you're like actually we need like you jump about 15 years here we need something in between Mm -hmm. to tell us what you were up to during these years yeah and then And then it goes off to legal and then legal come back and they're like, you need to change this because we can identify this person. And then I come in and I sit next to you and reread the whole book together, going through like typos and commas that you've put in, because I'm terrible at that. Seeing if the sentence makes the same amount of sense with Mm -hmm. the new punctuation.
1: Yeah.
0: And then there's a photo shoot for the cover. Then there's cover design. Like it's, it's a good year of work. Yeah. And so for 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 10 grand it's not something that you would quit the day job for no, so no. now that's just me and obviously prices vary between people and obviously if you're like marion Keyes or kathy kelly mm. and you're super successful in jk rowling it's mm. a totally different situation but as someone who wrote a memoir and is not a full-time author yeah it's not something that you want to throw in your whole life to yeah. do
1: no it's very it's it's you know, the advances are... Now, the, the thing about that people need to remember, because they do kind of think, oh my God, the advance is so low, but the advance is an advance on royalties. So if the book starts selling, then you do get that money in royalties. You know, it's just that like that upfront payment. So like, that's not nothing. You know what I mean? If your advance is low... It's not nothing. Yeah, if your advance... But, is, the, yeah.
0: but I also think that the royalty situation now as well, like people... I don't know how many print run, I don't know how many books mine has sold, but like how many would you public, how many would you guys print in the first instance?
1: Yeah, like it's, it's for Ireland only. It is quite, it's, you know, it's not massive. So I'd say like if we sold, I don't know, like 8,000 of a book, that's like, that's solid. You know, that's a good sale. Yeah. Like you'd be hoping kind of for more over 10,000, but that's like, that would be really good. I think 8,000. But the thing about getting an agent as well is that like there are other ways for a writer to kind of, it depends what you've written as well, but there are other ways of a writer to get income. So like ebook, ebook sales are really good. Um, There's something that kind audiobook. of- Audiobook. Audiobook, exactly. Or like write sales overseas. Now, sometimes with memoirs, that's difficult because like in Germany, you'll have somebody who, who is that person, do you know, they'll have their own German yes. version of the person, you know, so that can be trickier. It depends what the book is about. Um, Like self kind of self-help he does, does do well with uh, right sales. But so there's other ways of getting income. And like I said, the e-book sales as well, because the e-books like with print books, bookshops eventually kind of, you know, whittle it down to one copy. It kind of moves from the front of the shop to kind of the back just because there's new books being published all the time. Whereas ebooks are just always there, always ticking over. So that's, you know, something to think about as well.
0: And so say, going back to our accountant girl, she is, she's sent it around. She is getting rejected because it's not the right time or they already have someone talking about that subject or whatever so she's like okay I'm gonna self-publish it yeah now I know that you don't work in self-publishing because you work in yeah Hachette, but what are your thoughts on that is it a good option and um, does can can things move from self-publishing to someone else publishing it
1: yeah it's a it gets messy all right if you've self-published it yourself now the thing about it is if you've self-published the ebook only and this has happened with some authors in the UK whereas where like an author let's say has self published they've they've put a huge amount of work cuz it takes so much work it's marketing if you've self published just to try and get your book noticed um yeah but if they've seen it if put if publishers kind of picking up like oh my god this this book here this novel that was self published has got you know a thousand five star reviews then they will kind of go looking for you you know they'll go looking for the author yeah so that can definitely be a way to do it. It's def- It's harder if somebody has self-published an actual print book because it's already like, say, I and I don't know how easy it is for a self-published author to kind of book in that time slot with Eason's or Dubray or Mahoney's or any of the kind of independents and say to them, will you take my book? Um. So is that what would have to happen to get yeah, it on the shelf? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm just not sure how easy that is. I would say it was pretty difficult because... You know, it's just so, they're, they're dealing with all the bigger, the big publishers as it is, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's difficult. Maybe like your
0: local bookshop might do it yeah, if you knew them. Yeah,
1: but like I would say if you want to self-publish, like self-publish an e-book first. Because with the print as well, you've got all the costs involved in like getting the cover, printing it. That's all like initial costs for yourself. Where are you going to store your books? How are you going to transport them, you know? I think Paul, yeah. Paul Harrod talks about like when he first did the Russell Carroll Kelly books, I think he did, or he did so, he he was kind of like really actively involved in like the very first one. Um, but I think it's, um, it's a hard road.
0: To sp- it is a hard road, but, but I do understand people's want to actually have the book held in their hands yeah. that they wrote. It yeah. is a very special feeling.
1: Yeah, I don't yeah. have
0: kids, but I imagine it's similar to yeah. being like, oh, this is my child.
1: Yeah, no, it's, um, I can imagine like going in and seeing, you know, seeing your book on the bookshelves is, is such a like, it's, it's, it's great if that's kind of what you put all your work into. But like, I don't know, maybe it's a case that like if you self-publish it, you put the energy into kind of promoting the ebook and things like that, seeing how it goes. But it would, if if like, yeah,
0: is, is self-publishing, you know the way you're saying to authors that want to be, or people who want to write, like you have to just write if you want to write, is self-publishing something a, a strong indication to a publisher like yourself that they are serious about something? Like does it go against you or is it a brownie point in your seriousness?
1: I wouldn't say it was a brownie point. No, because I think, okay. I think like, the, you know, the traditional roots and, you know, this is just, it's up to every author, but it does take a huge amount of time to self-publish and then to write the book, but then do everything else outside that, you know? Um, Yes. So I think like if you put that time into kind of writing, you know, trying to get an agent, getting feedback from an agent, you know, um, but it's... That's more useful. Yeah, I think so. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, if somebody kind of goes off and self-publishes, you know, you kind of wonder how much of that is just them kind of wanting to do things on their own terms, how much of that, because like an awful lot of uh, something that you consider as an editor as well, is that like, you're going to be working with an author for a long time, hopefully, you know, like, you know, we've been working together for a while. So you have to like, really think, oh yeah, I really kind of gel with this person. We really get on, you know, some of my authors I've been working with for over 10 years. So, um, you know, I think if you self-publish, it's like, what are your reasons for self-publishing?
0: Is it a sort of a narcissism of, I can do all this myself, I don't need medicine. Yeah,
1: it, is it something that like, no, I think I I want to say what cover goes on my book, I want to say how it's pitched, because that will just, you know, there are obviously a few red flags because it just makes the, the whole thing a lot more difficult. Um
0: And I think you can see that if you look at any of like any of the books that I read, I always read the acknowledgements Mm. and they're always so long because I don't think people understand how many people it takes to write a book. Like, yes, my name goes on this, but I would not have been able to write that book without you. First of all, because I think a few times I was like, actually, Kara, I've changed my mind. I can't do it. And you were like, no, 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 we're so close. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I think yeah. that was more with the second book. Where I was like, I can't. Jesus Christ, do another draft of oh this. Oh my God, I know, it's um, so hard. The second one was way harder. Um, and then I think, yeah, so it just got so many people, it, it it takes so many people to write a book. And then the writing it is nearly the least hard. Selling it, publishing it, Or, no, promoting it.
1: Mm. And I
0: know I'd be friends with, like, Marion Keyes and Cathy, and they'd all say that, like, a book tour is, like, one of the most exhausting things you can do. Because you just go around from TV station to news station Mm. to newspaper interview to radio saying the same thing, trying to change it up. But, like, there's only so many answers you can give to... Why did you decide to write this book? Like, it's the same answer. And you're just repeating yourself I know, for I weeks. Know. It's, so, um,
1: it's so hard. It's like you say, because, you know, like, you know, kind of years ago, the writer was like working away in the solid. It's a quite like to be a writer, you're quite, you know, a lot of the time you're introverted because you notice things about people. You want to write about people. You're an observer. That's what you do. And then suddenly the publishing industry is like right now, showtime there you go yeah. off you go get on stage sell your book be sparkling you know be the extrovert that we need you to be now To so it is it's a very hard you know thing to switch up to some authors find it easier but I, I do feel and then especially then with social media because when that all started coming in everybody publishers were suddenly like get on social media connect you know and it's again social media is like a really tough thing to kind of navigate if, you, if you're if you not comfortable a difficult cupped, place but, to be yeah exactly yeah and I love social media,
0: but it is hard to be like, hey, buy my book. Hey, buy my book. Yeah. Hey, buy my book. Because people are going to be like, oh, shut up. I know your book exists. I'll buy it if I want to. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and then other people are like, oh, I didn't know you wrote yeah, a book.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but even like outside of that, it's like, you know, you're like, what's your kind of personality on social media? And so it becomes very a different experience for the writer to do it. And even as we're saying now, yeah. you know. It is, if you're starting off at a write, as a writer, it can be handy to have a bit of a profile already or, you know, a voice through, I don't know, a bit of journalism or, you know, online writing or podcasting or well, whatever. Well, it makes
0: you a little bit more known, yeah, which yeah.
1: helps exactly. sales, I guess,
0: and helps people walk into a bookshop and see your name and be like, oh, actually, I know that yeah, name, I'll, yeah. I'll check that one out.
1: That's it. I, because
0: I, I know yeah. you're not meant to, but. You're not meant to judge books by their cover, but the cover is all you have. And sometimes the name on the cover is all you have. And it's just another thing, I guess, that helps.
1: Like, it's so important as well. And like, in fact, you do want people to judge book because like, you know, you go into a bookshop, you've got this split second where you know, the reader is just taking in rows and rows of books. So you want them in that like to like look at your book. I know exactly what that is straight away. Pick it up. You know what you're getting almost. The decision is quite easy, you know, especially for like an unknown author. So that's why you'll see like, especially say with psychological crime, you've got like covers that pretty much follow a certain type because, if somebody read like one book and they really enjoyed it, they were like, oh yeah, that looks exactly like that other book that I read that I really enjoyed. So I don't know this author, but I kind of know what I'm getting, you know, so.
0: Which is interesting because I live with Carl, mm. who designs book covers. He designed mine and he designs loads of them, but sometimes he's designing covers for books that aren't yet written. So yeah. it's really hard yeah. for him to indicate what the book is about yeah. when the author sometimes hasn't even written it. Yeah. Because I remember when he was designing mine, he'd be like, what is your book about, though? Because, <laughs> like, I don't even know. And yeah. I'd be like, eh, I, don't, I don't really know, I know either. I have to wait for Kira to tell yeah, me yeah, what my yeah. book is about.
1: I know, and, and actually, like, that kind of comes back down to the, the author as well and that relationship and what we were talking about self-publishing. Like, the author needs to trust the publisher as well and just, you know, say, yeah, okay, because as well as that, because like as an editor as well, we have these cover meetings. So this is all the sales team. This is when like the sales team get involved. And these meetings are not pretty because sales team seeing hundreds of books from like our wider group from England and wherever. So they're just like, don't get it. Don't know what that means. It's brutal, you know? So like you'll have spent all this time going, oh, you know, talking to somebody like Cahill, designing the cover. But uh so, yeah, I think... If the author can trust that the whole publishing team, you know, knows what they're doing in terms of the cover, that that's really that's a good thing to do as well. So I think as an author, if you do get to a stage where you're being taken on, or there's a couple of different people looking for your book that want to buy your book, and this comes down to trusting an agent as well. If you're in that you know that happy position, it's it's not always about following the money or who's going to kind of give you the most money for the highest advance. It's about meeting an editor thinking, I I really feel like they got the book, they got, they get me, they get the book, they know what it is, because then you're just kind of, it just makes it an awful lot smoother.
0: Yeah, because I remember my agent was in New York at the time, I've changed since, but Mm. he, remember he pitched my idea to two publishers in Ireland, Yeah, and it was you and another one, and I remember thinking, like, this is someone who's going to have to tell me no we have to cut that yeah. or make suggestions yeah. this is someone who's going to be intimately dealing with my life and my previous life my history that I'm going to be writing down and it's not just about money or prestige it's about the actual person yeah who you're going to have to be working with on a day-to-day basis and whether that's a relationship that you trust and that you feel safe mm. getting criticism I guess from yeah
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's, you know, you can't underestimate that. I think that's a huge kind of part of the puzzle. And if you've got a good agent, they'll know that as well. They'll advise advise you on that. So,
0: yeah. Okay. So just to finish up, basically, if someone is listening to this, they believe that they have a book in them. Mm -hmm. Your tips are join a writing class. Yeah. Write the book. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking about writing the book. Just write it. Mm -hmm. Then get feedback from people who are not your friends necessarily, yeah. who are honest and whose opinions you respect. And then once you have, how many thousand words would you say they need to approach an agent?
1: Um, well, I mean, you'd want, I think it's very rare for, well, actually agents are different to publishers. So I think if you've got a good sample of your writing, I don't know, maybe... 20,000 words or something and you wanted to approach an agent, that would probably be enough. So, but I, my my thing would be as well, like when you do join a writer's group or a thing like that, like listen to what people are saying because it can be very easy to kind of go, "Mm, well, I don't agree with that. But like listen to the nuances as well as what they're saying, you know, and their kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that would be, and take things on board. Like you trust your own instincts, but also like never be afraid to cut anything. like. You know, when you're submitting to an agent as well, like sometimes it can take a writer a while to get going. So like even look at that first chapter. Is that first chapter really necessary? Depending on what you're writing. But if it's commercial fiction, would it be better just to like jump straight into chapter two, you know, to get into the action? So just kind of never be afraid to cut.
0: Um That's so hard for me because I was like... Oh, I can't. Like that's three thousand words. I can't just cut them. Yeah, no. then I'm gonna have to make them up at the other end. Yeah, but you were so right. Yeah. yeah,
1: and like it only, you know, every single writer has folders and folders and folders on their on their laptops of, but like writing that just didn't make the final draft. But that's all adding to the kind of the polish of the dra- of the book that kind of finally gets published.
0: And maybe I can go into something else. I'm constantly opening yeah the edited bits of things and being like can i use this for something yeah. else? yeah and sometimes i do yeah you see yeah, yeah, some I bits that didn't make it into the book yeah, into sunday Independent, yeah. where i'm like yeah. oh but i have a deadline
1: that's, yeah i mean non-fiction that that happens there's always like that kind of like crossover a little bit if you're like writing kind of a regular column and stuff so yeah
0: um okay and so join the writers group try mm. and get an agent do some research and if you find a publisher that is publishing work that is similar to yours and you think, and you've been told like, this is really good, you should pursue this. Yeah. Then after doing your research, approach a publisher and see yeah. what they think. Or go the self-publishing route, but do not think that self-publishing is a route to formal publishing. No. Because it very often isn't. No,
1: yeah, yeah. Like I would say. that kind of it? Yeah, I would say. And like, you know, it is tough, but... Publishers and agents are always looking for the next kind of thing. And also like it is, it can be an awful lot of timing. You know, you'll hear so many people who, you know, got rejected by loads of different places before they were finally taken on. So I think if you're getting, and again, it's listening to the feedback, but if you're getting good feedback from people that you trust, who know what they're talking about, um, not just your friends, then, you know, you kind of know yourself to stick with it. Okie doke. Yeah. Um, do you want to give people your uh, social media
0: or your email address to submit their drafts? <laughs> well, to you?
1: we're not. I we we don't take fiction submissions, but the nonfiction one is. So follow the. Ha- <laughs> well, I can't even you remember don't have what to, the general. You don't want to. No, I can't. I actually got like so my own work one, but there's a general. It's info i n f o at h b g i or just follow hashtag Ireland on Twitter.
0: There you go, now lads. Nonfiction submissions pop up. Um thank you so much Kira. No problem. Um,
1: thank you. Best of luck on. with everything.
0: And sure, I'll talk to you off air yeah. um about that uh that, yes. <laughs> that fiction you want me to write. Exactly. <laughs> I'm exactly. joking.
1: Yeah, no no, you said it now. So
0: I've said it now, I've committed to <laughs> coming to a bookshop in you just in time for Christmas twenty twenty one. Yeah
1: yeah, exactly. Okay. Thanks so much, Kira. Right. No to you problem. Soon. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you if you've made it this far. You've listened to another episode basically, and I really, really, really appreciate it. Like I really appreciate it. I'm I'm not looking at you right now. I'm recording this in a vacuum, but you're listening to it and you're living your life and you've taken time out of your life to listen to me rambling on with Kira or whoever it is, and I really do appreciate it because every download we get and every listener we have is it's an asset and it's something that I'm very grateful for. Um, If you could like The podcast uh, and subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify. If you could recommend it to a friend, that is something I would be very grateful for. And please get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter at Steph Prizner and I'm on Instagram at Stephanie Prizner. That's Stephanie with an F. And I want to know what you want to hear about. What episodes would you like to hear in the future? What episodes do you like? What do you not like? Actually, just be kind if you're telling me what you don't like because. Social media is a difficult place. But anyway, I just wanted to jump on and say thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. And also check out some other Headstuff Network podcasts because there are some seriously good ones out there.
1: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.